0: For listening to Radio Radar Plus. This is episode 37 for Friday, February 12th. I'm your host, Ludwig Kitsman, U.S. Editor-in-Chief of Games Radar Plus, and I'm joined today by Sophia Tong.
1: Hi, I'm back again.
0: Thank you for coming back. After everything that we said last time, I thought you would never come back.
1: Well, I do sit right next to you, so it's pretty easy <laughs> to invite you back. We also back.
0: have uh, Susan Arndt, Managing uh, Editor. Hello. And Anthony Giannogolo, Senior Social Editor. Woo!
1: <laughs> oh, I missed you guys.
0: <laughs> is, are you a Chewbacca now? It's, I, like, did it annoy you that I called you a Chewbacca? A Chewbacca.
2: <laughs> like that is he's like a race. Yeah. I don't even know how to begin correcting that. Oh, uh, <laughs> are, are you
1: part Wookie? of the Chewbaccas? He's a <laughs> Wookiee from Kashyyyk, okay? All
2: right, so this this is, the, I want to explain why every now and again, we when we do a podcast, I do this ridiculous, like, sad version of Woo. Is because my favorite thing of all time is the old Looney Tunes where Elmer Fudd and Daffy Duck have to box each other in a proper boxing ring. And the only person cheering for Elmer Fudd the entire time is his hunting dog. And so, like, everybody's cheering for Daffy Duck. Everybody's freaking out because they love Daffy Duck. And then it'll, like, flash over to the dog by himself in his own bleachers just going, Woo! (laughs) <laughs> and I love him and that was relevant to video games
0: oh yeah that was I'm glad that we finally got the explanation yeah, I've been wondering about for years it's oh now a, the mystery is
1: over another little
3: bit of, of Anthony lore that uh, <laughs> our, our listeners really appreciate
1: right. fun facts
0: so guys Yum. did you know did what? you know that there will not be an Assassin's Creed in the year 2016.
1: I heard something oh! about that. <clears throat>
0: so that's been rumored for a while.
1: Are people yeah. crying about um, this?
0: I don't know. Maybe the people who were working on the game that was probably going to come out this year.
3: Wait, I have. I, let's back up for a second.
0: I okay, thought. Okay. Backing up.
3: I thought this was known. Already was it? It just was a re- rumor?
0: but
1: now it's confirmed. confirmed. Oh, okay. all right.
0: Because uh, the uh, there was a, a leak of a game for uh, called Assassin's Creed Empire, right. which was supposedly the one that will take place in Egypt. Um, and alongside that came the news that it would be out in 2017 because there would be no new game this year. Um, there are also rumors of a, there were rumors of a, of a remastered collection of some mm-hmm. kind this year to make up the gap. But it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. They posted a letter from the team saying uh, they wanted to reevaluate the series, and though they like what they did with Assassin's Creed Syndicate, which was much better received than um, Unity, uh, which is the one that, set, that was set in Paris and was the first Xbox One and PS Four game in the series. Um, wait, that's not correct. Assassin's Creed Four came out in those systems, but it was the first uh, game for, exclusively for for newer platforms. Um, but it wasn't well received because it was buggy, and like people yeah. didn't really like the story that much, and it just kind of felt like. They could have done a lot more if they had more time. So now they are saying we're taking more time.
1: Uh, well, people do get those Chronicle games. I was
2: just going to say, <laughs> did anybody else notice that they announced this literally 48 hours after releasing an Assassin's Creed game? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, don't, they don't uh, count. Like, uh, yeah. No, no, you can't have it both ways, Ubisoft. There's, you still put out a game where people stab each other in the neck while wearing a fancy hoodie. But that it's would... a spin-off. It's a spin-off. It's a spin t- off. F- It's S- not... Ass-
1: it's a canon.
0: <laughs> 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 okay, but, so here's here's my, my question about this. And and I actually think it's cool that they did post this later because they could have just not announced the game, right? Like, that could totally have happened. Um, but, I mean, is this is this really giving, giving the game more time is my question. Like, is it actually going to give this game more space? Or is it more of a gesture? Or was this game running behind anyway and they had to delay it, you know? Like I don't, I don't have the, the insight to know what happens behind the scenes. But I hope that the development of which, whichever game is next and the games that come after it, more importantly, um, are actually going to benefit from this this little gap. Because we all look at these games, and, and while they're impressive in what they achieve within very, very small time, um, and obviously they have multiple teams working on games in parallel, so it's not like each game is, you know, one year development and then they push them out in a linear fashion. But it's it cannot be easy on the people who are making the game. It cannot be easy. On people who have to test these incredibly complex games, and there is such a thing of getting fed up and sick of something, which you don't want if you want to have this franchise that keeps paying the bills for years and years to come.
2: Sure, uh, I you know I don't, I don't want to like go to the furthest end of the boring spectrum, in responding to that. But, but that is where you live. But I well I, like <laughs> look, Ubisoft share prices since this announcement went up are trading six percent down. Now, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to, like, go into all of the issues of publicly traded companies in the video game market, but average fluctuation of a stock price for a big media company or a tech company is usually 1% or 2%. That's typical. When something catastrophic happens that threatens, you know, shareholders and makes them think, oh, man, I'm really going to be in trouble this year, you usually see things drop 15 20%. So the fact Mm -hmm. that this announcement is only sort of causing Ubisoft a little bit of financial consternation is indicative of the fact that everyone thinks that the market has reached peak saturation for Assassin's Creed. Even shareholders seem to think that maybe a little bit of a break while you start to ramp up this movie-making machine isn't that bad of an idea, especially after diminishing returns over the past few years. The console cycle started with a downturn in the Assassin's Creed series. Black Flag, very critically successful, didn't do demonstrably better sales than Assassin's Creed three. Assassin's Creed unity was a fiasco in terms of both critical and sales response. Mm -hmm. And Honestly, who cared about Assassin's Creed Syndicate? I know there's some fans <laughs> on staff, but do you know, do, like, have oh, we, pretty good? Have we ever published an article that somebody in the comments that a member of the Games Radar community has ever responded to passionately?
3: Like, I'm sure. Yeah. That, yeah. Like, here's the thing: Syndicate may not have sold uh, a lot to the the wider audience. Um, largely because of Unity because Unity was not awesome and it was broken and I think people finally just went, you know what, maybe I'll pick it up on sale eventually with Syndicate. It was Um, also
0: successful, Susan, which I think is is Kind of damaging in some ways, because more people played a game that was not exactly to be played. Yeah.
3: exactly. Yeah. Because it, here's the thing: I mean, it's it's also important to remember, people pick up games and franchises based on their experience with the one before it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like if you had a really good time with the game before it, then you're going to you know want to recapture that with the game that comes next. And if it really lets you down, you then the chances that you'll pick up the one. After that, drop dramatically. That's just being a good consumer. But, yeah, the, the folks who, you know, AC diehard fans or who really liked the setting of Syndicate or, uh, you know, the the Fry Twins, really dug
2: it. Yeah, they oh. really, really dug it a lot. Maybe I should rephrase my question then. Have we seen, like, a huge grand swell of passion around Assassin's Creed Oh, no. So, okay. No, 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 no. No. That's, no. That's what I mean. I mean, like, is this a game that has an enormous following because yeah. like like uh, like do you remember a few years ago even like before everybody was like wait a second this game kind of sucks the excitement around Assassin's Creed 3 before it came out like all of like there were just legions of cosplayers all dressed up like Connor and people were excited about the American Revolution you know setting and That's there was true just, yeah like, there was just yeah. this huge, huge it was the it was the moment the wave crested for that series and this this is the final moment when it has stopped receding and yeah like I I think I think that Luddy I do think that they're getting some extra time for you know the development of this game I think it's going to benefit whatever the next Assassin's Creed is whether or not it's this Egypt game but I think more than anything Ubisoft realized like holy crap if this is going to main like If we're going to put out this movie and not have a freaking bomb on our hands like when Jake Gyllenhaal was in Prince of Persia, maybe we need to ease off on the game gas
1: people need to want it, and you need to give them some time for it. Like if Final Fantasy came out every single year, I think there will eventually be kind of like, oh god, another one. But you know, they take years to come out with a new one. Same with Rockstar Games, and people mm-hmm. are just like highly yeah. anticipated. The only reason Call of Duty works is because the multiplayer is something yeah. you can play for years yeah. at a time. Yeah. But Assassin's Creed is totally story driven; you can just skip one, and play the other, and
3: exactly. Skip. And the mecha- it's not like the mechanics are vastly different from yeah. game to game. I mean, no. things get added, things get subtracted. But by and large, you're playing the same game over and over again. Pretty much. So, yeah. New setting. Yeah. yeah. New yeah.
0: setting, new characters, what have you. But Not it, identical, but certainly the same the kind same of flavor. impulsive. Yeah. You get the same reaction to it. Right. But I think it's interesting if you split it out into, number one, Syndicate was arguably Punished by Unity. Yes. yes. Like oh, I don't
3: think you can argue. Syndicate that, was
0: whipped for that yeah. in the same way that critics whipped Unity itself. So there's mm-hmm. like this generational punishment sense of the father <laughs> is happening in an oh. annualized franchise. Um, but you also have the fact that Syndicate is not the only open-world action game that came out in nope. the year that it came out. Right. Like yes. Yeah. There, yep. there needs to be some sort of stopping and retooling on the on the part of Ubisoft in order to be seen as you know the number one premier open world game like yeah. we, it might not be useful to think of it in terms of competition from an art standpoint but from a product standpoint when you're on the shelf with fallout in the Witcher, metal, gear. metal gear Solid. Yeah. i mean yeah. even even metal gear solid is like yeah. eating your dinner right yeah so yeah.
3: and i mean keep in mind this, this
0: seems very essential to me for them to do this
3: like okay let's see metal gear fallout witcher so that's Call it 60 bucks each, you're already looking at 180 dollars, yeah. Right, Tomb
2: Raider. And, then lo- and then look at like the B tier, which you know, Mad Max just cost. Oh, Stray. sure, yeah, yeah, a Batman oh, and, Arkham Knight. And, and, Batman. And, well, at Arkham Knight, yeah, Arkham Knight is like in that like weird place where it sort of was huge for a little while, but by the holidays had just disappeared. Yeah, yeah but I'm, I'm talking like. People yeah, who it, aren't it. like us
3: right, cannot right. be spending four and five and six hundred dollars on games. Nope. Yeah. No.
0: Plus, so that, I would they, say Batman is the closest to Assassin's Creed in terms of how
1: they play. Yeah. yeah, that's true. They both
0: had grappling hooks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I guess just like that, you know, core AAA experience. Like you only have so much money to spend mm-hmm. on so many games. And like last year was a really good year.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, I I gotta say I you know I I played. Uh, about three hours of Assassin's Creed Syndicate, which I realize is not a, a monumental amount of time. But by the time I like I was finally given free reign outside of the story in that game, you know once you get past the first hour and a half and it's you're in the city. and now it's time to build up you know your relationships and forces with the people in these different districts, I mm-hmm. looked at the map for Assassin's Creed Syndicate and just groaned. I was just like, oh god, no, don't make me do all of these things. <laughs> <laughs> it's tedious Creed. now. <laughs> like it, I have I have not seen a series in such bad need of an overhaul in a really long time. Like it, it, it is it is like just so thick with all of the old ideas of what should be in an open world game. And it needs, okay, I have a question for, yeah. for those
3: of you who played Batman. Yeah. Because my problem with the Assassin's Creed games is they confuse having lots of stuff to do with having lots of meaningful stuff to do. Uh, like, you have all these icons on your map, but it's, it, a, a lot of it is just mindless collect a right. Whereas in a game like Fallout or The Witcher, yeah, you have all these icons on the map, and they're virtually all meaningful in some a, significant way. Now, I know Batman has all these Riddler trophies.
2: No, no. In Which... fact, nope. I, Susan, at the end of the day, and Ludwig is already going to disagree with me about this, no. I, I'm going to go on the record and say to all of our wonderful listeners that Assassin's Creed Unity and Batman Arkham Knight both suck and suck <laughs> for the exact same reasons.
3: Alrighty then.
2: Yeah, because they're just, like, both games are just glutted with all of this nonsense that is not substantive. It's just like checklist, checklist, checklist.
1: Yeah, that's my issue with open world games, because I, I need a direction. I'd like linear games, but when you're giving me chores to do, like they have to be really fun for me to really want to do it. Like Fallout gave me just reasons to kind of mess around in my settlement, and that was fun and distracting, but I still made no progress yeah, in the main game. But I
0: think it's a balance of things and this is why I disagree with Anthony. It's just it is it was way more fun just to be in Gotham City in Arkham Knight than Mm. it is to be in Paris in Assassin's Creed games, Okay, Union. why? It's Mo- because- just moving around is way more fun. Yeah.
3: Okay, because you're Batman or because of the way it's the game is built? Like, is uh, it a setting thing? Because it's thing built. Or- okay. Like,
0: the, the open world in, uh, in the Batman games, they're, they they feel very handmade. They're not super sprawling. Okay. And the way that Batman is, because he is Batman, and the way he interacts with that, like, in terms of colliding and having a grappling hook and running and then sort of uh, seamlessly entering stealth and combat from that point, That, to me, like, it's just more well-made and more better constructed than Unity
2: ever was. Yeah, okay. Um, And and Batman Arkham Knight, like, Arkham (laughs) Knight, it starts so well. Like, the first half of that game is so amazing because the story stuff is just seamlessly integrated into the world, so while you have that deep pleasure of just, like, moving around as Batman and just being Batman in this perfectly built city is awesome, cool shit keeps happening just out of the blue. Like, what are, like... The sub-stories is running into the man-bat, you know, the Mm -hmm. the dude who's morphed himself into a giant person-sized bat creature, and it just randomly attacks you while you're, you know, grappling, hooking around. It's not like you went to an icon, and then all of a sudden, you know, time to do the man-bat missions, Batman. Like, that stuff (laughs) is just out there.
0: Exactly. Yeah, like, in some ways, like, I think the, the Batman games are just, they were successful when they went to this larger open world because... The developer is at some on some level resisting the influence of an open world, and the reason Arkham Knight wasn't that great, I think, is because at some points they they just failed to keep resisting the stuff that you have to do to populate an open world, well, which game, is why you game, have yeah. which is why you have racing missions in a Batman game. That is like clearly like well, we need more things to do. Yeah, that I is might've... that is not motivated by the other things in the game, which are motivated by what would Batman do at this point, what would be fun to do at this point, you know. Uh, let's stop using it as a playground and just like a big dumping ground for things to do.
2: It's a 20 hour game that actually only has seven hours of real gameplay and the rest of the bit's like uh oh Batman look another blockade you better go destroy this blockade and then that blockade and then this other blockade and if you don't (laughs) do that for 10 hours straight you don't get to see the ending. Which is that's just true. Susan did you play through Arkham Knight? Oh hell no. no! No, you didn't get you didn't Here. get to the point where it refuses to let you see the end of the game until you <laughs> do all this tedious bullshit.
3: Now, here's, yeah, no, here's my thing. I played the first Arkham game, and I, uh, I really appreciate the attention to detail and the game style. I really, I really dig that. I, I, I don't get that excited about being Batman. I like Batman, I, but I like Batman's villains way more. I find them to be far, far, far more interesting, which is why I'm, I'm oh, no. more interested in Suicide Squad, honestly. Um, but yeah, it just didn't, it seemed like a lot of busy work, and I didn't care. I know, I know, I'm a bad nerd. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care about being Batman. Well, Luis it's is a great never gonna Batman speak to game. Me again. I, <laughs> yes, yeah, I mean, it's, I get it. I get the appeal. It's just not for me
0: which yeah. is one of the more mature stances you can take on any video game. Oh, well, thank
3: you.
0: I would say like I get it. I appreciate it, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to force myself to play it right. and possibly be miserable for. Right. How exactly. Many hours. Like Yeah.
3: You know, if I'm not enjoying it and I'm not getting paid, I'm not playing this.
0: <laughs> so, with the, all that Assassin's Creed talk out of the way, I wanted to move on to something a little more serious. Okay. And that is there will be a live-action Sonic the Hedgehog movie in 2018.
3: Okay, wait. You need to explain this to me now. Like, is, now is this like live-action, like the last SpongeBob movie was live-action? Okay,
0: so this is, and this is why I found it interesting. Okay. Because you know we have there's an Angry Birds movie in the works, and that's yeah. fully computer generated. And yeah. uh, uh, we've had live-action movies like Assassin's Creed uh, that's coming out. It's got Michael Fassbender, super cool. Michael Fassbender could be in this live action Sonic the Hedgehog movie because it is indeed uh, going to be one of those movies which is a blend of live action and CG.
2: Oh, okay. 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 Wow.
0: You know, following in the the way of uh, such wonderful movies like the Smurfs movie,
2: Smurfs 2, Mm. Garfield,
0: Garfield 2, uh, (laughs) Alvin and the Chipmunks and its many sequels.
1: I was going to say, Alvin and
3: the
2: Chipmunks made bank.
0: So Spongebob was pretty entertaining. I kind of like that movie. If it's like that and it's humorous, and right. maybe yeah, yeah.
2: right, I mean, Roger Rabbit kicks ass, right? Sure. Are we, are we all yeah? On board but with that Roger yeah, yeah. Awesome? yeah, but that's
3: it. it okay. Technically, <laughs> those are the same same thing. In that, it's right. live action mixed with animation, in kind of the same way that going to craft Steak for dinner yes. is similar to going
0: yeah. to McDonald's. <laughs>
2: right. I, I'm, not, I'm, not implying, I'm not implying that Who Framed Roger Rabbit and uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks 3, the squeak will... Oh, shit! What, what number, yeah. whatever they're on. I don't They're in the
0: third one now, which I think is about a road
2: trip. Hey, out of road, curiosity, road, road what, trip? what crime did Jason Lee commit <laughs> that his career is being forced to be in these Alvin of the Chipmunks movies for Hey, my, money. My
1: theory money. is that
0: every time an actor like that shows up in a movie like that, and this can be even something like uh, Ben Kingsley being in a Uwe Ball movie. Someone, somewhere, didn't go to a gala event where a movie executive was and he felt jilted. yes. It. <laughs> and your and punishment just appeared alongside CG characters.
2: I, I realize so, that wait, those wait, wait. movies make cash, but like, I'm sorry. Like, no, that's, that's punishment this of is, some kind. This is my theory on this.
3: So, uh, when musicians, like when, when pop musicians, uh, begin to age out of pop viability, your uh your uh, uh uh Phil Collins's of the world. <laughs> they transition to a world music phase. Right. Where, right. where they start playing like, you know, Sting did this. Uh uh Paul Simon did this. They start playing music from like, you know, Tibet and Spain and Right. Africa Peter and Gabriel and,
2: like, did yeah, it, but it was right. awesome. Peter
3: Gabriel did it. Right. This is, with actors? They transition to children's movies. <laughs> So what? Money. So
2: what you're saying, Susan, <laughs> is that Vince Vaughn is confirmed to be in Sonic the Hedgehog? That's it? what
0: I'm saying. <laughs> you but isn't Vince Vaughn with the wig? in his new movie. yeah, That's my question. Yeah,
1: Well, you would hope that Sega would put a little more care in their live-action Sonic movie than the people behind Alvin in the checkbox. Is the person who is
0: directing their Twitter account directing the movie? Oh, my yeah. God. I hope I would, so. I would be
3: their opening day. <laughs> the
1: day. So I would be like, yes, I will. If the he's writing the script,
0: yes.
3: <laughs> okay. okay, here's the most important question, though. Is Jaleel White voicing Sonic?
0: Ooh. Ooh good question. Man. I, like, or is it Ryan Drummond, fan favorite, Ryan Drummond?
2: <laughs> he kind of, I mean, he has to, right? He's been this voice I of Sonic. Guarantee,
0: I guarantee he won't. Why? Really?
3: Because nobody knows who Jaleel White is Right, anymore. like you need to
0: have that celebrity costing. you know?
2: Yeah. But, so but it can Michael Fassbender. So like, this is... <laughs> the the <laughs> weird truth is that Sonic remains one of the most recognizable characters in all of media. Like, mm-hmm. There, there, mm-hmm. there is people and children know Sonic. They know what Sonic is supposed to sound like. It oh, I disagree disa- with that, honey. Oh, wait. Totally. No, hold on. There, totally. there's, there, there's actually, there are, there are statistics on his brand <laughs> viability that <laughs> really? I was just reading a couple of days ago. Uh I This is your lazy afternoon reading.
1: bedtime <laughs> yeah, yeah, reading.
0: So,
2: let, me, a
1: lazy,
0: <laughs> let me look into the brand vibe of Cartoon Hedgehog. Oh, oh, I,
2: I, I promise you, I promise you I am not just making that up. That's not like a crazy. <laughs> oh, no, I believe you. I completely cr- believe you.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're not surprised. I don't think anyone is. All right,
2: damn it. Uh, so, okay. All right, let me find Sonic the Hedgehog's Q score. His quotient score from Nilsen, uh is currently now a Q score, so you know oh boy. Oh boy. what a quotient score is. Is it tracks the consumer appeal of celebrities, brands, cartoon characters, and video game characters? Uh, as of spring, Sonic's Q score is twenty, and he maintains a fifty percent, fifty-eight percent level of familiarity. With everyone ages six and up. And that means that 20% of the entire population of North America considers Sonic one of their all time (coughs) favorite characters and is instantly recognizable, while 60% of the population knows what he looks and sounds like.
3: Okay, I'm with you. I am with
1: you with looks like looks like I don't even know what Sonic sounds
3: like I am 100% with you on looks like I think most people because he is so distinctive he's such a big part of a lot of people's childhood I think absolutely people know what Sonic looks like right
2: sounds like nope Mm-mm. But here but here is the thing. The most popular Sonic products since the year 2000 aren't games. It's the cartoons. They're cartoons. You're not yeah. you're not wrong. That's true. Wrong. Yeah. So the
0: Sonic Boom cartoon is a bigger hit than
2: the games. Sonic Boom the cartoon is a runaway success. No pun mm-hmm. intended. Like <laughs> very, very successful, which is... And, like, it's not bad. It's actually a good cartoon. I, I had to he watch... He watched all of it. Is this, is this, you
0: watched it on the side while you were doing your band research. <laughs>
2: so, so, so Ludwig and Susan know this, Sophia, but I was actually at the press conference in New York where they revealed the Sonic Whoa. series... And it, it stands to this day as one of the weirdest video game events I've ever been to <laughs> because, A, it took place at 9.30 a.m. Oh, and God. B, they were serving a lot of hard alcohol at night. <laughs>
1: They're was, like, you're going to need this. And there was
2: just a fog <laughs> machine running at all times. Susan, do you oh, not remember man. this? I was like sending you I guys did, not remember. No, I remember messages. you going,
3: I did not remember the fog machine. Fog
2: machine <laughs> all day. And, and you loved it. They, they made us watch like a full 15 minutes of the first Sonic Boom episode.
1: Welcome
0: to smoky press conference zone.
2: <laughs> You're
1: just going to choke a little bit, it's fine.
2: <laughs> oh, God, it was so weird. There was a Toys R Us representative there who oh, like well, got was... on stage to be like, yeah. The Sonic brand has been vital to our brand synergy in Brandtown for all <laughs> 10 years. When we talk that's about valuable answer. brands, our brand partner, Sega, who branded us with a branding iron directly in the face, <laughs> made Sonic a part of our brand identity.
3: He exaggerates slightly, but that's, that's not very far off how these things go.
2: <laughs> not at all.
3: But I... I I, I i I feel like they have to have someone like i i don't I don't know who the the popular boy pop star of the moment is It'll be the someone Babes. from one direction I was that's what I was thinking. I'm like it's you know but who who's the good one, Just, from one direction. Justin
0: Bieber can you do the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog? Oh no
3: he is, I don't think he's in favor
2: anymore
1: no mm.
3: <laughs>
2: it's not it's yeah. no longer the beads. Yeah, uh, I, don't,
1: I don't think he is <laughs> the any- believers are dying off. The,
2: I, I think the o- the only other reason I think that they'll stick with Julia White is I mean the fact that Ratchet and Clank still have their voices in Sony's big Ratchet and Clank movie and they aren't celebrities. That's true. Is pretty like it's pretty telling, like that they But won. I feel like that movie is going to be
0: smaller scale than the Sonic the Hedgehog. I feel yeah. like Sega is going to spend way too much money on this. I think I think you're right.
2: I think you're definitely right. But it's also like like this this Sega like like it's going to be Sony Pictures making it. It's the same production. Okay, so so then you need to get your your
0: Bill Murray as Garfield equivalent. Like, yeah, someone you cannot oh, believe no. agreed to this. Okay.
2: As the well, Abe Vigoda just died, so he's I got out. It.
3: I got it. Sean Bean.
2: <laughs> and does he die in it? One does not simply go fast. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome! Oh my god! Oh,
3: no! Cause... Wait, wait! No, better, better. Edward James Olmos. Edward James. Oh my god! Oh wow! Edward yeah. James
2: Olmos is clearly Big the Cat. Froggy, oh, you're right. Froggy, come <laughs> back to me.
0: I would, I would say it's going to be someone from uh, one of the new Star Wars movies. Seriously.
2: Oh, yeah. Like Anthony Boyega? Yeah. Yeah. I, or John
0: Boyega. Oscar John Isaac Boyega. as Sonic the Hedgehog. That's Oscar
2: make it Isaac.
0: I mean, like, the guy who plays Chris Redfield plays uh, Sonic in the games. So I, f- I feel like Oscar Isaac could pull that off. Yeah. He, could, he yeah. could
2: do it. I could see that. I could definitely see that. But Will... And he is a
0: chameleon. He blends into every single role. Oh, that's so. true. You won't even know it's a him. The hedgehog is yeah. not even difficult it's, if you can do a chameleon. Will... But,
3: but uh, don't you think they would go for someone
0: young, like
3: hmm. like teenager, early Someone who is has it, their
0: own Disney show right now, maybe? Yeah. Like
3: He'll pull that, someone that from that of, lineup. Right. Yeah. Like a
1: Sabrina.
0: Like a Sabrina?
1: is <laughs> <laughs> <Sabrina?
3: laughs> like, like Ariana Grande? Like, uh,
0: all right, okay. yeah, I was trying to think of someone
2: like that. I, I, I got girls,
1: Are they available?
2: Any, <laughs> Eddie Redmayne as <is> Tails. I <laughs> 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 He's reached that point in his career yet, has right. he? Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. Chan- yeah. Channing Tatum Channing Tatum like does not sound out of bounds. I th- I can imagine him being Knuckles, like
1: <laughs>
2: straight up. <laughs> this is the
3: thing. He is a delightful human. It's great.
2: Amazing sense of humor.
3: Yeah. So he would actually be a real yeah. I mean,
0: great. he did. He is in that Gambit movie that they're making. So he, he totally
3: it. He's a great Gambit, sense of humor. right?
2: He's Gambit, <laughs>
3: which I have so many problems with.
2: I don't know, Susan. I'm I'm sold on it now. Like Gambit, <laughs> Gambit isn't built like that, bro. I know, I know, but he's like I've seen him slim way down for things recently. Okay. If he Okay. If he gets closer to the body type,
3: because Hugh Jackman is also not uh right. too tall to be Wolverine, but he did it and and he did it great, so I'll you know.
0: We can there there are pictures in the Channing Tatum brand viability booklet.
1: Oh geez, <laughs> yeah. that stuff's so dangerous for actors, though, when they like change their bodies so drastically.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, um, yeah. He can, who, who, he can certainly do the physicality of it for sure. Who will be uh, Doctor Robotnik is the real question. <laughs> who will, and plus, like, this is a, this is a legitimate question. Oh, oh will got he be it, a got person?
3: It. Got it. Christoph Waltz.
0: Yes yes perfect i'm gonna see this movie I'm, I'm gonna i want to buy tickets right now the
1: casting's already done i
0: think it's a tragedy that we have to wait until 2018 for this now
3: oh he probably oh will goodness. be an actual person as opposed to animated yeah like
2: will will dr robotnik be because that's the other route that they usually take with these these mixed things i know that in smurfs gargamel is a person it's like hank Azaria right. or something yeah it is
3: that makes sense that's actually kind of perfect
2: right yeah yeah yeah. I, I I don't know, man. I think I, there are a lot of uh, hints that Sega is going to be like coming back and trying to like finally do Sonic properly, like like to, to make a game that isn't a nightmarish bomb. You know, because they're, you know, usually Sonic games perform very well, but Sonic Lost Worlds and Sonic Boom, given they were Wii U exclusives, that is the lowest glass ceiling in history uh, <laughs> for audience. But, like, it, both of them were just so poorly received and did terribly on the platform anyway. And I, the Sonic Team has said, that in the exact same source that I got the Q score for... Um, for Sonic's brand viability it was a wonderful Polygon article about you know the state of Sonic the Hedgehog and they interviewed the producer that's been working on Sonic games since Sonic Adventure and he was like you know I, I think right now we're not going to drop doing 3D Sonic games but I think all we need to do is completely re-examine what we judge as a bar of quality for these which is very encouraging, or yeah. even acknowledge that there is one. Wow. <laughs> right, out. right. I, man. I feel. I still. I feel so duped. I thought Sonic Lost Worlds was going to be great because I played it. Oh my played, god, it's yeah.
3: so bad! It's so, so bad.
2: bad. It's and Colors great is great. Colors
0: is such a good game.
3: Colors is great. That is what I hear. That is what I am told. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Colors. Colors is excellent. It it gets a little shaky in the back end, but it, overall very good and. Lost World demos—it's—it's it's a perfect example of why demos suck, because mm-hmm. it demos so well. Like the—the the three levels they brought around to E3 before that game came out were so good, they and really then were. like, and you didn't even realize that they got terrible within the same level. Like you <laughs> only be part of it, and then you'd get to a boss fight that takes like fifteen minutes to complete. Who wants to spend 15 minutes on a single boss in a Sonic game?
3: Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. You're not wrong. Did you
0: try going fast? Because that speeds up.
2: <laughs> I, I, I attempted to go fast. I attempted to go fast.
0: So in other news that does not involve anthropomorphic hedgehogs, Quantum Break was announced as coming to Xbox One and PC at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people are upset by this. Um, if you're not aware, this game is the new game from Remedy Entertainment, which is why it's taken so long to come out. Uh, but it'll be really cool. It's a cool action game which used, used temporal powers. It was announced in on Xbox One exclusive, but now it's coming to PC as well. Um, here's the little thing. If you buy uh, this game anyway, you kind of get some cool bonuses. If you buy it on Xbox One, you get a backwards compatible uh, copy of Alan Wake.
2: Oh, That is right, awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'll, right. I'll, I'll end up giving that game a third shot when that comes out uh, and I'll hope that this time it takes
0: <laughs> really really good game um, and if you if you pre-order the game on Xbox One I believe this is if you pre-order it digitally so either through the Xbox store or if you order a, a download code through someone like Amazon um, you get the PC version for free right that's awesome. So this is this is one of the first instances of a Microsoft cross buy. Sony has been doing this um, for their platforms, where you will often buy a game on PS Four and also get it on PS Three if there is such a version, or PS Vita. Um, and I think that's really cool. But I think a lot of people are also viewing this as taking something away from the Xbox One, because obviously one of the one of the reasons you may have purchased an Xbox One is to play Quantum Break. And while that's still true, it is not. Uh, it, it's something that you essentially have to share now with PC mm. players, I, I, even though you I, couldn't buy a PC uh, for the price of an Xbox uh, yeah, One. I, just, I
2: don't get that. I just,
3: man. Here's the I thing: just, I would be, I would, I would be on board with the Führer if they had announced uh, it was coming to PS Four, because an exclusive like that can absolutely be a purchasing decision when it comes mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Xbox versus PS Four. One hundred percent, I would get that. You already have a PC anyway, so nothing is being taken from you. Now, I mean, if the only reason you bought your Xbox was to play uh, Quantum Break, then then and only then do I understand being pissed.
2: Yes, d- d- I, then I get
3: that. Yeah, because you just you just shelled out four hundred bucks for that you didn't necessarily have to.
2: But like, and I get okay, it. like like if if you were already an Xbox One owner. And like you came, you came because it's got Halo, and like maybe you really loved Crackdown or something. I like Quantum Break is. I, then you I just, just need to shut the hell up, right? Like like anybody who's bitching just because it's like, oh no, we're losing an exclusive. Like dude, you're I, who cares?
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> people who are making the game don't care. they, yeah, they, don't just, care. Make, they just want to make. They want to make a cool game, and they want you to play it. So the more platforms that can't play it the better i think it's also exclusively for windows 10 so it is it technically is, yes. on it is on microsoft platforms they have two ships you know right, out there
3: right 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 uh,
0: two cars in the race i don't know one
3: of some, the one of the things metaphor. i've seen and this is this is what makes me just want to tell people to shut up is you lied to us yeah uh, it is, is only silly. a lie if they knew it to be untrue at the time they said it and I do not believe that to be the case. I think that they examined the projected sales of the game, they looked at profitability, and they said, okay, that's not good enough, what can we do? And yeah. then made the business decision, okay, we'll also put it on Windows. The end. So it yeah. is not a, they lied to you, it's
2: a, they changed their mind. Yeah. Right? Uh, and and like, <sighs> I don't know man, I, I I at the end of the day, I I am the first to admit that I get romantic about my machines. Mm-hmm. I like having a console. I like having console exclusives. I am, you know, I, I remain a devoted Nintendo fan <laughs> all these years later, and I love that I can like pick up a Wii U and think to myself, this box is specific and it only plays these things. But really, the era of video game devices being devoted to an exclusive type or series of games is over. It is, yeah. It's done. It's gone. If you want big, triple-A, massive, blockbuster games as we have... Started to conceive them in the past six or seven years. Well, guess what, brother? You're gonna need to make them in a way that guarantees they'll make money. That's like that's the part that really frustrates me
3: is the apparent ignorance that at the end of the day, this is a business. Like, absolutely, you should um, not punish your fan base, you should reward the people who have supported you, you should acknowledge them. I agree with all of that. It's a business. Yeah. They have to make money. They have to see a return on the rather large investment that they've made. Yeah. And, you know, they had they had the whole TV <coughs> show tie-in that was going to happen. Yeah, that didn't go well. <laughs> they need to recoup their money. So, like again, if it was going to PS4, I would really understand being p- people I would understand people being pissed off. I really would.
0: I've seen a lot of people being excited by uh, the fact that Sean Ashmore is in this game and, and uh, mm-hmm. Dude from Game of Thrones is in there somewhere as well. Uh, Littlefinger.
3: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's in this mm-hmm. game too. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and People are really excited by that. And I think one of the things that's going to pay for those guys is yeah. the PC version. Yeah. And uh, I think if I were Remedy, I would also be a little... Cautious and worried about releasing only on an Xbox because when I did that with Alan Wake, mm-hmm. uh, things didn't go so well. Did provided there well. were other <laughs> factors uh, influencing the problem, I'm pretty sure that Alan Wake ended up selling way more on PC than Xbox 360.
3: Oh, I guarantee it did. Of course so, it did. Yeah.
0: You know, I think this is it's just one of those things, and I and I and I totally understand the emotional reaction. Like I get it, but um, I think this will ultimately be for. The better for the game. Like I think Quantum Break will now do a lot better than it was going to. Of course it will. Um, and you know, you know, when uh, when Rise of the Tomb Raider came out, and like people were upset by that exclusivity deal as well. Even before we learned that it was coming to PC and PS4 uh, officially, um, it was still going to come to Xbox 360. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's Like true. there
0: was there was going to be another version of that too. Uh, Titanfall came to Xbox 360 as well. Uh, Forza Horizon 2 did as well. Um, it's never as exclusive as it seems.
3: Yeah, because that I, just doesn't make financial sense. And like, like this is the thing. I don't like. I I don't. Un- I don't understand a lot of the emotional reaction. Like people saying to Phil Spencer, "You didn't ask us what we wanted." No,
2: of course he didn't. Of course he didn't. He and doesn't like, care. And nor nor should he have to. I mean, like the other thing, the other thing that baffles me about this is that, in the way way back, console exclusivity. And even multi-platform games were were a choice that mattered because the game was going to be demonstrably different. Like back when, choosing if you were gonna play like Mortal Kombat on a Super Nintendo or a Sega Genesis, mm-hmm. you weren't just talking about like who was gonna have the exclusive. You were talking about fundamentally different games. That's true too, yeah. But now, like Like, the fact that there's going to be a PC version, it's not going to change it. Quantum Break isn't going to be a different game now because there's a PC version and they need to make all these considerations. It's not like Warner Brothers is making it where, like, the PC version of Arkham Knight is apparently just two two sticks that you rub together furiously. (laughs) Like, that's, you know, this isn't that kind of situation. Like, it's not going to affect the development. It's not going to uh, change you know, anything about that game. So who cares? It just means that more people will get to play it. And mm-hmm. there you go. And there's, it like, so you need to feel like a special butterfly. Yes. And, and oh, I need, I need to feel like my X-Bone loves me. No, man. You, you, you have a box. You have a specialized computer that will let you do fun things with it. And so other people get to do the fun things. Who cares?
0: <laughs> I mean, not even the controllers are exclusive to the console That's anymore. That's
2: true. You can, yeah. play, I mean, you can get it's an Xbox true. Elite
0: controller, and you can just use it on your PC if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, so I mean, the more relevant question might be just whether or not you, you two are excited for a game like Quantum Break. Because I'm into it because Sam Lake writes wonderful, pulpy stories. He does. That are usually really fun to play through.
3: You know, for me, the thing... Okay, I love Alan Wake. I All day long, I love that game. It is one of my favorite games of all time. I love, love, love Alan Wake. The problem I have with Quantum Break. Now, I preface this by saying I haven't actually gotten to play it yet, so this may completely change my mind. But I don't like there being recognizable actors in it. If they had, voice, oh, I'm with you on that. I agree with you. Yeah, I find it distracting.
0: I, I don't think that ever works. It distracted me throughout the whole Until Dawn because Grant Ward was in there.
3: Oh, a guy
2: i know grant ward. grant
3: ward playing a teenager it was, uh.
2: <laughs> grant Ward, i like that all right I, I i guess i don't necessarily have a problem with there being real actors until dawn is a unique situation though because of all the real actors in it like isn't hayden panettiere like in her 30s yes. Oh, like, yeah, course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. just just watching like playing that game. I was like, "How old is everybody supposed to oh, be?" Like, <laughs> don't they have to be at work on Monday? Why do but, they keep
3: talking about prom? I give. Oh God, I know. I give until dawn <laughs> a pass because slasher movies cast actors who are entirely too old to be playing sure. high school kids.
0: It's like a wet hot American summer. Yeah. Right?
3: So like, I totally give them that. And uh, I think Peter Stormare. Works beautifully in that role. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so good. that, yeah. And, and, but for, for me, like watching Iceman in Quantum Break is just going to distract me.
0: It's so, also weird because there was another character model before.
3: Yeah. And like,
0: that's like the person I associated with a game. And it's kind of like, it's like getting a new actor cast as the same person in season two of a show. It's right, just weird.
3: Right. Right. So I would prefer it if they didn't do that. Um, and, and, a lot of it sounds overdesigned to me so i really need to mm. like oh, it ties into the, the episodic tv show and, and I, I just I need to i need to play a demo of it to see if it's good
0: yeah, I played mean, for I played, it before. I played it. it's It's really fun. The shooting is really solid, like, as you would expect from a remedy game. sure, plays really well. And the time powers lead to very interesting environments and okay, uh, like, and and I like the the science fiction angle. like, I think it'll be a fun story of, like, you know, what someone went back in time to change the thing and then they changed it by accident. And then because they went back, that changed the timeline to, you know, like one of those things that folds in on itself and doesn't really make sense. I'm looking forward to that. okay. Yeah. um and and this looks great. I think I think, What I really want to see, though, is for them to actually nail this sort of television-style approach that they've kind of danced around for quite a few games now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I mean, Alan Wake would have made perfect sense to actually be an episodic game. That's true. But it didn't really come out that way. And this one has episodes, and it has actual TV episodes in between um, bits of the game. But, like, why? how is that making it more interesting, right? Like, how is that—I think they're kind of trying to get at, like, making it— in a way that's easy to consume for, like, a modern person who just, like, wants to watch. Maybe I'll watch an episode tonight and then play some of the game tomorrow and that kind of thing. But I don't know. I'm not really sure how that's helping them yet. So I'm skeptical of that part.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'll play it. Like I'll play it. You know? I'm
0: curious <laughs> Sterling endorsement.
3: There, is, there
2: mean, is
0: my... I will play it.
2: Yeah. I, I, Remedy hasn't it? made a
3: clunker yet, with the uh, exception of the first DLC for Alan
0: Wake, which was trash. But it was free, so oh, that's the one that was like sponsored by Verizon. Yup,
3: the signal. Yeah, it was, it's called the signal. I never even heard of that? What? It's, oh, it's oh. terrible.
0: Oh, jeez. So the signal is he might have he might as well have picked up the phone and said, "Can you hear me?
2: Wow, Damn. can you hear me now? Um, man, hello." Uh,
0: why is my Verizon yeah, phone not I working? I
2: can't totally like agree that they've never made a clunker. Alan Wake really didn't work for me, and it had it had nothing to do with the gameplay. It had everything to do with the persistence of the narration. I get. Oh why yeah, it's there. yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
2: I I get why it's there, and I understand the style choice. I don't think it was done particularly well. Okay. Uh, But, like... But that's why, like... That's my reaction to Quantum Break. I'm always very interested in Remedies games. I'm always fascinated by what they're trying to do. I was fascinated by Alan Wake from the very first time it was announced, like, five years before it came out. I mean, hell, even longer. Like, you know, that that, that was... We were still ensconced in, like, Xbox and PS2 days when Alan Wake was announced. So... uh, they're always interesting to watch. Execution is is tough sometimes. Um, and this was so ambitious in all of these different specs, like yeah, uh, we'll see. I'll play it. as, long will as you it's play... not on PC. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Damn
0: it. Will you play Firewatch is my next question. I think um I'm I'm I love it. I think it's fantastic. And I think Susan wrote a really great article about the sort of mindset that you can play it in or that eventually takes over when you play it yeah. for long enough because it's it's one of those games where people aren't really sure whether or not they like it, they're not really sure what it is, what does it mean to be a first-person adventure mystery set in the forests of Wyoming where you are someone who is wa- a lookout for fires. Like, what is that? What What's the mechanic there? Right. What's the progression system? <laughs> um, and, and you don't need to worry about any of that. And I think, Susan, you, you put it best... So why don't you why don't you tell Anthony why he should play Firewatch because he oh, really okay. should.
3: Um, Firewatch, the thing. First of all, the the story is uh, very very well told. It has some of the best voice acting you you will hear this year. I guarantee that. Um, but the thing that I really enjoyed about it. So I'm I'm playing this game, and I'm walking around. And it, Ludwig referenced this in a video he did. Uh, you run into some teenagers who are in the park and they're drinking beer and they've left their empties all over the place. I'm like, okay, so I found these empties. Obviously, I'm a park ranger so I'm going to clean this up because this is disgusting. Yep. So I start looking for the beer cans and I start picking them up and I'm like, I'm waiting to see like a little glowy highlight around them so that I can get all of the beer, you know, make sure I find all the beer cans. And I'm like, okay, maybe if I pick up all the beer cans, I get a Trophy, how many beer cans do I have? i can't wait. I can't open my inventory. like why can't I open? I don't know how many beer cans I have. It's not that kind of game. <laughs> it is not a game where game mechanics
0: are the point exactly what you what you are doing in that moment is you are making a gesture. you are writing a little bit of the character that you're playing, right, Henry. Right. Is he doing his job? Yes or no. So you get to act that out. The game doesn't necessarily give you a pop out that says, good job, you cleaned up all the cans. Right, right,
3: right. It's, it's very much about, and this is something that it took, I was really uncomfortable in the first couple hours playing Firewatch because it's not a game in the traditional sense. Right. Like it doesn't give you those cues. It doesn't give you the pop up saying, hey, good job. Now you should go do X, Y, Z. It's not like that. Um, so it, I was very, very uncomfortable until I just accepted that I am in this role. And it's, if you think of it as a uh, visual novel mm. that you are experiencing rather than reading, that will really improve your enjoyment of it, I think, a lot. Because you'll stop looking for... Like, I was looking behind bushes for hidden treasure chests or clues. or what. It's not that kind of game, man. It's not that kind of game. It's a visual novel. Be Henry. Just go be the the, the Henry that you believe Henry to be.
0: Exactly. And I think... So, I don't want to sell it short in terms of, of the sort of entertainment appeal of oh, it. It's yeah, no, not it's- just about... Being a fire lookout, there's a it's it's a thriller to some degree. It is, like yes. there's, there's there's a, a mystery. mystery, something yeah. happens that draws you into you know a situation where you're like, what's really happening? What's going on? And the less you know about it, the more entertaining that will be. So I won't get too deeply into that. But just keep that in mind as you play it that it is, it is, you're, there's a setup to an interesting story. So that's number one. Number two is the game is still very, very interactive, just not on a huge scale so if you if you think of a telltale game where there are very obvious yeah. points where yeah. someone's like will we do this thing or will you do that thing but keep in mind if you do one of these things you can't do the other thing and that'll change the story so you have all these moments in telltale games and they're very large and telegraphed in firewatch imagine firewatch is a, is a whole game where all of that stuff is shrunk down and it's microscopic it's at a molecular level and every time you say something to anyone that is important and that'll change the way that you – the things that you can say to them later, the way that your relationship with them develops. Um, and ultimately, that's sort of how you are influencing the story. Like the video I did was it was a breakdown of everything that could happen when you first encounter these these two teenagers who are sitting in a lake, they're drinking, they're shooting off fireworks, and that's what you, why you came over. Um, and you can basically just walk up to them and say, excuse me could you please not do that? And they're very rude and you can just kind of keep your composure by your dial- by choosing your dialogue options, um, which are very, it's very slickly implemented. It
3: really remember, is, right yeah. It. It's beautiful. So
0: good. Um, and you can sort of get into a shouting match with them or maybe you just walk up to them and you just look at them and they'll react to that. They'll say like, hey, are you skeezing? They'll like be yelling at you like you're this provert who was just standing there. At, this, at the side of the lake and looking at them, you can confiscate all their stuff, like Susan did. Like Susan took all their stuff, and you can go up to them and you can yell at them, "Hey, I took all your stuff. You're lucky that I don't take anything else. So you better you better stop this this shit that you're doing." Um, or you cannot take anything, and you will be able to tell them, "Listen, I didn't take any of your stuff, but just please leave and get going." Or you can take up, you can just pick up their boombox, mm. and they'll they will not be very pleased with that, and. Uh, if you do what I did, I just walked straight up without saying a word. I picked up the boombox and threw it into the lake, and there was a reaction for that too. So the game is very bendy; it's very elastic to responding to what you do. Um, but the outcome, which is them leaving, uh, is not changed. So the, you shouldn't fixate on the outcome, but rather how you are presenting yourself as a character in the story, and that translates to everything that you discuss with Delilah, um, who is your your sort of your your boss. But the only voice and the only person that you consistently talk to during the game, and she will also react to you know what you whether or not you're honest with her or not, or whether or not you tell her things soon or later. Like all these little permutations add up, and that changes your relationship. And I think it's that's a really clever video game exclusive way of telling the story.
2: I'm pretty excited to play it. Oh, you'll. It is
0: very much like Oxenfree. Anthony, oh,
2: yeah,
0: I would say that it it is the most like Oxenfree in that it is a game that's got a really cool story, very well told story, beautifully acted and written, and it's really just about what you say and when you say it. And it looks amazing. It does. It's, look amazing. It's
3: gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. That's the one, the one thing in our review that I'm like, Justin, you are smoking crack. That game is beautiful. <laughs> oh, what do you like say? He uh he he would have preferred it to have been more realistic. It's a little cartoony.
0: Um, Look, a little Pixarish.
3: Yeah, I, yeah, I, I like it's a I Pixar-ish. like
2: the I like the stylistic sort of presentation. It stops it from being. I mean, you know, it looks like it's perpetually sunset in, in, in right game. It's right. Yeah,
0: you know, great music and like Susan said, great acting. It's it's really a fantastic game. It's well worth the twenty bucks. To
3: oh try yeah, it out. yeah, I agree. This is you want to play this because when the game of the year stuff happens at the end of the year, it's going to be on it. It'll be this one. Yep. Yeah. And you're going to be like, really? This, 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 this really weird? Like, Yes. Yeah, a lot, Honestly. <laughs> Trust a
2: lot of stuff <laughs> in the very beginning of 2016 that is already memorable. Like Oxenfree is super memorable. Firewatch is super memorable. Amplitude is super memorable. It's a pretty, pretty stacked beginning of uh, 2016 with some unusual stuff.
0: Yeah, I've also been playing a a game that is unusual, not in itself, I would say, but unusual for the publisher, and that is EA, and I played Unravel. Um, I finished that game. Yeah. Um, It is, I don't want to exclusively source it as something that's like Limbo, but it really is a Limbo-like, and that it is is, a a 2D game that has some platforming, but it's really about solving puzzles that are very self-contained. And you use you know, a very limited set of movements and maneuvers to solve puzzles. Now,
3: So wait. So when people are saying that it's – because a lot of people have been saying it's it's actually got some very, very thorny sequences.
0: Is that the puzzles
3: that are hard or
0: um, – I would say it's a combination. Like there, there are some puzzles where I thought – them, how they highlighted something that could be used in that puzzle, mm-hmm. wasn't as effective as it could be. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Like I see. there was one okay. that I thought, well, that was that I was struggling with, and I just didn't realize that there was something in the back. Oh, of that
3: okay. And, okay.
0: And to some degree, that's because the game's art style is very realistic and very dense, mm-hmm. and it's very beautiful, but sometimes it's not 100% obvious um, right. that they, oh, you can just move that thing. Okay. And, oh no, okay. no, I know what to do, um, and. It has a couple of tricky puzzles that that took it, – it, some of them take planning. Like you have to think for like a second and go, okay, I have this much strength because Yarny is made of yarn and he's pulling this yarn out of himself basically as he goes further and further. And you need to hit points that extend his total yarn. So at some point you'll be walking forward and he just can't go forward anymore because he's run out of yarn. And that's when you know you need to solve a puzzle to sort of get to, to that next thing so that you can extend yourself. And – there are times where, like, if you are just going and making you know, little bridges between two points to walk over or to slingslo- slingshot yourself from all willy-nilly, you're going to run out of string. And you'll be like, well, I didn't solve the puzzle, so now what? Then you will have to undo those knots, right? Um, and that's, I think, what's getting some people is that they are just kind of, like, they see two points and they're like, okay, let me just do a bridge here because I'm sure that's what the game wants. But it's not always necessarily the way to solve the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're always using a very limited resource which is your string, to figure out how to go up or down or swing over things. And I only really liked that part about it because it felt really, really relaxed and it felt um, like it was using the fact that Yoni is very small and the environment is very big. It's all these lush Swedish landscapes like, you know, uh, riverbeds and forests. And eventually you, you sort of go through like an old junkyard. It feels like all these things – that you wouldn't even notice if you were walking through them yourself are now obstacles to Yarni, and they're involved in the puzzles. There's one where you have to get across some ice, and someone was just ice fishing there, so they cut out holes mm-hmm. in the ice for the uh, fishing rods to go through, and that is an obstacle. And you have to figure out how to get through these holes. But it's really just like something that would have been part of that environment, right? It's not like a weird obstacle that shouldn't be there. Right, right. So right, that part right. of it feels very natural, feels very elegant. It's a very nicely, wa- nicely made game. There are some platforming sequences where you swing. Um, between hook points, but I think they're pretty easy, pretty certainly more easy than than something like Ori and the Blind Forest. And you may die a few times, but you'll get through it eventually. And that my main problem is just like, I don't think there should have been death in the game at all.
2: Mm.
0: I don't really think it adds to the, the the feeling of danger at all. I think Yarny is an expressive enough character to make you emphasize with his danger or just being forgotten outside. That to me is sadder than he got crushed by a rock. So... That is that is their their biggest miscalculation, I would say. But otherwise, it's a really good puzzle game, and it does play like Limbo in the sense that it's you know slow paced, side to side. Um, here's a puzzle in front of me. Let me solve it, and then I'll move on. And it's not really about anything else, really. It's just uh, it's more of a puzzle game than this emotional tour de force that I think they've kind of sold it as. Even though he is very cool and likable, I, I I feel like the emotional stuff is mostly just in the background like you walk by memories that a fan of a family who visited a place that you're at
2: yeah i, I like I, I, I like that it's <laughs> i like that there's story stuff but like all all unravel really needed to do was be like super pretty and fun to play and yeah it sounds and like it, it, does is, it is that of those.
0: it is totally that and the secrets are very well hidden if you want to pursue them um they're pretty well done um great music just wonderful looks i'm, I'm glad that it exists and i totally enjoy playing it i don't think it's going to be like as magical as you want it to be mm. in the sense that you'll be breaking down crying while you play it um <laughs> but it's nice it's you know it's, it's pleasant it's it's a nice little game
2: i like pleasant i think, I think pleasant, you should check it out i think pleasant can be okay i think pleasant pleasant's, yeah. pleasant's uh, a nice balance to other things uh does it have does it end as well as limbo does limbo has the best ending in the world
0: um, I honestly don't remember the ending of Limbo.
2: Oh, the end. The ending is very abrupt. I guess. I, 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 do we really need spoilers on a game that's almost ten years old? <laughs> do we need, like, no, no. Uh, at the end of Limbo, you you know you're in like the factory, and it's all the saw blades, and the the you're you're dealing with like magnetic puzzles as well that change your polarity, and it's it just sort of culminates in more and more and more difficult challenges until you're you're going through what is essentially a series of platforming challenges that are just unbroken and you get to a point where it looks like you're going to just die and instead of dying the gravity shifts and you break through The right side of the screen like it's a pane of glass just very very suddenly and it's it's shocking it's one of like just the best shocks i've ever gotten in a game and the the boy slowly sort of drifts down uh onto the ground next to this other figure and then all of a sudden you're back at the very beginning of the game it's awesome it's really cool Sounds. I guess Unravel does not end.
0: Is the so is that what you've been playing? Limbo is I, I, that? Because that seems like it's old enough for you to be playing it, to about it on the show. I've
2: been playing contemporary games lately. I've been playing, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I played some new stuff. Um, oh god, you got me. <laughs> for the past four or five days, pretty much exclusively been playing Final Fantasy XII. <laughs> which is not new which is very old <laughs> no it is not it is really not it is, really it's, not. It's, it's, no. it is it, that is a 10 year old game it is in fact but just, it is the best
0: Final Fantasy game
2: I, you know man I, it, it remains my second favorite of all time it lightning returns yeah it, it like I've I, I'm just about done and uh, is it what you think
0: lightning returns is better than 12 I do I oh, do. holy shit. I better play it.
2: Yeah. Wait, I, I wait, wait. You I, haven't played Lightning Returns?
0: I was waiting for the PC version. Oh. I'm going to play it. I going to play it.
2: Yeah, it's so good. It's great. It's great, man. Um, Lightning Returns. Lightning, Re- Lightning Returns is. is uh, it slightly edges out 12. Uh, they are both very, very good at similar things, which is building an incredible world. And then letting you just go out into it and do very interesting human stuff there, like Lightning Returns is all about sort of helping individuals, uh, whereas Final Fantasy Twelve is all about just like like we're all in the wilderness together. Uh, but what I've what I've been enjoying about my playthrough of Final Fantasy Twelve, which I am playing because of my excitement for Final Fantasy Fifteen which seems like a a long overdue return to a lot of the ideas that sort of dominated 12, which is like a big open space and a style of storytelling that is still, you know, operatic, but a little bit more grounded, you know? Like, it, it, the whole Final Fantasy XIII storyline is like, gods, and... Crazy crystal people and people that turn into crystals and floating planets and and Final Fantasy 12 and 15 are far more about like here's this weird place and here's the political landscape of this place and here are these people with relationships within it and I, I'm so excited about Final Fantasy 15 that I wanted to go back to 12. Uh, however, I I also didn't want to you know spend the the requisite 70 hours it takes to play. Final Fantasy XII. So I've done something a little so unusual. So you cheated. I cheated. <laughs> I cheated. I cheated super hard, but I didn't cheat all the way. I could have just cheated and then, <laughs> like, like it's time for infinite. I feel like a life. lot of
0: men have told this to their wives.
2: Right, I, baby. <laughs> baby, I didn't turn on the infinite potions. I didn't do it. I swear to you, baby. I could
0: have, but I didn't. I could have. I
2: love you. I love you. This was meaningless. It was just an extra experience point. It was just
0: a speed run, that's all. It was a just lot.
2: a speed run.
0: <laughs>
2: baby, I'm sorry. You're all horrible people. <laughs> so what, what I did, what I did was I went and I found a save file that is called the perfect start. And it puts you at the very first story mission of the game as Van at level three. I think it's Vaughn. Vaughn, where, where you're supposed to be uh, at that stage. But while you're level three, you have every single item and piece of armor and weapon in the game. You have a pretty tidy sum of money, but like not like an insane amount. But more importantly, you have about 12,000 license points. And every single time a character joins the party in the natural progression of the story, they're at the appropriate level. Like when you meet up with Balthier and Fran, the Sky Pirates, they are still, you know, only about level 7, which Vaughn should have leveled up to by that point. Uh, But you have all of the license points that allow you to unlock all of the buffs and skills to equip any weapon or piece of armor and use any skill or spell. The, the way the character customization works in Final Fantasy XII is you have this board that looks like almost like a chessboard, and you accrue points that allow you to unlock different slots on that. And so everybody... The idea is that you end up with customized characters that, like... These people unlock the licenses for black magic, and these people unlock the licenses to use bow and arrow, etc. But this way you have low-level characters, but who can do anything and equip any item in the game right from the start. That does that is cheating, technically. You are taking out all of the character customization and all of the fiddling with that character customization that ends up making up about half the game. Literally. Uh, my old save file from 10 years ago is still on the memory card with this new save. It took me 62 hours to finish Final Fantasy XII back in the day, and it's looking like my final clock for this will be about 25 hours just playing start to finish. And I gotta tell Sounds you... Sounds kind of magical. I, I got Oh, man, I gotta tell you, it has been the best... It is okay. So good.
0: Oh. What if video games like these just came with an option, a little toggle at the beginning, said, "I'd like the quick version, please."
3: So I wrote about this very topic. Yeah.
0: Uh huh. Susan that wrote about this. Rather oh, than please, difficulty Susan,
3: settings, I would love length settings. Like yeah. mm-hmm. just boil a game down to the the core stuff.
0: Give me the, the theatrical cut. Yes! I, I know there are yeah, extended yes. editions out there. It's really cool. But I just want to start with the theatrical cut. Let's y- do that.
2: Yep. And like the funny thing is, is that <coughs> playing Final Fantasy XII, and I, I'm going to be writing about this for us uh, in, in the context of Final Fantasy XV, but it, it, playing it like this isn't devoid of challenge. It's not like it's just, like, super easy and you win everything. You do mostly win everything, but by having all of these skills accessible, a lot of the more difficult content that usually would be saved until after you've finished the story, the post-game stuff, you can just access right from the start. And it's very, very hard to sort of work around all of this, you know, all of these high-level enemies when you're low-level but can use these skills, and it's really cool. And... Also, it just lets you enjoy some of the stuff that is challenging that you kind of get bogged down and distracted from. The environments are very, very well made in Final Fantasy XII, and they're enormous. So a lot of the time, you're just left to explore. Like you have to get somewhere, and it doesn't just like put a glowing icon on the map always and be like, "Go to this spot to continue story." Like, you actually have to explore the environment and figure out where to go. And when you're not having to worry about all this junk to level up, it just lets you do that. And I, I love this streamlined version, this theatrical cut that you're describing, Luddy, or the, the boiled down to its basic essence that you're describing, Susan. Like, you know, I, I compare this to playing something like Persona 4 Golden, which I did a few years ago on very easy, the easiest setting. And I enjoyed that process too, but there was no challenge. There was nothing, there was nothing that engaged me in, you know, beyond just like story management, which was still fun. And I wish that there was a, a like version of that easy difficulty that was about saving time and not about limiting some kind of mechanical challenge in the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, but like you know, like there are all these rumors <clears throat> that there's going to be a Final Fantasy XII HD remaster at some point.
0: Well, it's the one that just ha- that hasn't been touched at this point, right? Which is kind of interesting and unusual. It might it might be because it's quite complex,
2: mm. complex. And I actually in looking for uh, looking for this like a save file like this before I started playing. Uh, I actually saw. Somebody, somebody in a forum talking about Final Fantasy XII on Game Facts, uh, yes, Game Facts forum, that uh, actually had a very salient point about the difficulty of making an HD version. Is part of the way that Final Fantasy XII made this enormous world that you could just like walk from one end to the other in, was that it it streams a lot of the assets as you're playing, and so it's kind of masked, because you can't see too far into the backgrounds of places all the time, but when you're in the big open fields it's a little bit more obvious, but things are constantly popping in. Like characters and foliage and environmental features are popping in in the distance, and that's how they did it on the PlayStation 2. And if all of a sudden you rejiggered that game to be outputting in widescreen and 10, eight, perfect 1080p and like all, all of a sudden you have this perfect fidelity and clarity to everything happening in the background it would look a little weird if things were just popping into the background mm-hmm. so I guess that might be a challenge but man, it, regardless whenever I mean, Square never leaves anything like fallow on an old system everything always comes back somehow even if this comes back as just like a PlayStation 2 classic on PlayStation 4, man, I wish they would include an option to play like this. To to be like, like here is a new game plus, but without the old game minus. Like, new, new game minus. New game minus. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really been revealing. Like, to go through and just sort of have this very, very sort of... Uh, streamlined Final Fantasy experience that's uh, devoid of the you know things that I think a lot of people would think of as the role-playing aspect. Uh, it, it's great. It's still so great. I love those characters. I could just I could listen to them all day. I, everything about it is wonderful. The voice acting, the soundtrack, the art—it's just great.
0: Yeah, I think they got, they got a bunch of uh, theater actors for that game.
2: I love too that like.
0: Thespians, sorry. They're thespians,
2: stars of the stage. I love. Aren't aren't film actors thespians? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I don't. I don't don't know. I don't know what they. I mean, they do.
0: They often act on a stage.
2: I don't know what the di- dictionary definition is. Okay, of I'm looking it is. up because now I need to know. Yeah, remember, yeah like,
0: there, there, there's a guy in Curse of Monkey Island who constantly corrected you every time you called him an actor. He would say, thespian. Uh, well,
3: <laughs> thespian, it, the, the definition of thespian is just an actor or actress.
0: Oh, oh, all
2: right. Yeah.
0: That's actually a better word than actor, in my opinion. <laughs> thespian.
2: Uh, yeah, that's the new alien race <laughs> in Mass Effect 4. <laughs> <laughs> The Thespians. The Thespians.
0: Uh, well, so at the, at the end of the show, I think we've all come away knowing that uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie will be great. Um, there will be no Assassin's Creed this year. It's fine that Quantum Break is coming out on PC. And Final Fantasy XII is still great.
2: Still great, all these, all this decade later.
0: Um, also, I want you all to know that I finally figured out exactly, precisely, how to end the show. Ow! And I will be sharing that with you in next week's episode, which is definitely going to happen.